Hey now, and welcome to Quantum Drive. I'm Rob. I'm Katie. And our ongoing mission is to discuss every episode of The Orville. Today's episode is from Season 1, Episode 9, called Cupid's Dagger. It was written by Liz Heldens and directed by Jamie Babbitt. If you would like to help us out, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Go ahead and leave five stars and write your review below, and we might read your review on an upcoming episode. You can email us at quantumdrive at thegeekgeneration.com. You can follow us on Twitter at quantumdrivepod. And if you would like to join our Discord and chat with us there, you can go to thegeekgeneration.com slash Discord. What do we have for trivia this week? I have a couple interesting things for trivia. This one was interesting to me because we all know Rob and I love Star Trek. So (laughs) there is a somewhat of a tie in between the two. There's this concept of aliens provoking sexual desire mm-hmm. um, in a ship's crew. And there, this comes up several times in Star, the Star Trek franchise, one being a Next Generation episode called The Perfect Mate. In Star Trek, the motion picture, it happens. It says that when the Delton navigator, or Leah, is said to possess strong pheromones that affect humans, which kind of parallels with this episode a sure. little bit. yeah. And let me see. And then there's another one in Star Trek Enterprise, and the episode is called Bound. Where an Orion woman affects all the male crew members. Oh. Yeah. Again, haven't seen Enterprise. Same. <laughs> okay. I'm going to try to... Okay, I love Klingons. I'm going to try to pronounce this as best as I can. <laughs> the Navarians have Klingon batliths mm-hmm. encircling their heads. Yeah. Oh. And I looked it up because I saw this fun fact and I was like, wait, let me double check. If you look at pictures of them, they do look like... Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool. They look like they're bony bathless. And I also watch a lot of YouTube videos to make like of people as Klingons to try to under make say it correctly today. But I think that's a direct it has to be a direct nod to Klingons. Yeah, that's super cool. At the beginning of this episode, my favorite character, Bordis, is going to sing the song My Heart Will Go On from Titanic. And it's interesting that his message was interrupted by Admiral Halsey who also played Thomas Andrews in the movie Titanic. Oh, I haven't seen the movie Titanic, (gasps) so... Wait, 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 the James Cameron movie? You haven't seen it? Yeah, I haven't seen it. Is there a reason? At first, when it beat, like, Star Wars or something at the box office, I was like, I'm never going to watch Titanic. I was just mad. And now, at this point, I'm like, I probably just wouldn't like it. Like, I I just don't think it's for me. I, I never loved it, even when I saw it when I was a kid. Like, I saw it as a kid. I think I was really young when it came out and we owned the two, the VHS tapes because it came in two because the movie was so long. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was how the sound of music was, too. But I, I digress. I'm sorry. Um, the planetary union ship that carries Derulio is the USS Olympia, and it is smaller than the Orville. However, in the episode Krill... The Orville stops alongside, well, alongside the USS Olympia, that's the same name of the ship, mm-hmm. and what essentially it seems like the Planetary Union uses the name USS Olympia for two distinct vessels. Oh, huh. See, I thought the Olympia was the larger one in this. Well, that's what they're saying here. They said that the USS Olympia SCV-183 is smaller than the Orville. We see them side by side. Okay. And then in the Krill episode, it stops alongside the USS Olympia LCV-529, a flagship Levithian. Oh, God. Levithian. Oh, God. How do you say that? Leviathan. Leviathan class heavy cruiser. And so it's it's interesting. 
Huh. Like I'd have to watch both episodes again to really pay attention to that. Yeah, I'll have to go back and check that out. Yeah, so there's two USS Olympias, hmm. apparently. This was really interesting. Commander Grayson sings Any Way You Want It by Journey. Mm-hmm. And the actress, Adrienne Palicki, she was petrified of singing and refused at first, but then Seth MacFarlane told her to pick something from Journey's discography, and then she recorded it. I thought she sounded great. Yeah, and- that's... I mean, she's not, like, getting Broadway singing stuff, but... Her voice is just fine. Mm-hmm. She better sings than better most. than me. Yeah. Same. And apparently she was drunk while they recorded that. <laughs> Recurring theme on the show. <laughs> Seems like you can drink on the job at Orville. <laughs> so this is just cute. The song that Yaff fits singing to Woo Claire is the Ramones, I Want to Be Your Boyfriend. Oh, yeah. I just thought that was, and I love the Ramones, so I, I liked that. So this is like a double, double fun fact. I'm going to include one of the guest stars from okay. today. And uh, a fun fact. So obviously, Derulio, if you didn't know, is Rob Lowe. I feel like everybody knows who Rob Lowe is. One I would, would hope. hope it. I would hope. And so the part of Derulio obviously called for full body makeup for various reasons. Mm-hmm. And Howard Berger said, Rob was like, what do I have to? This is a quote. What have I got to lose? I've been at this for so long. I'm in. I'm in. So Rob put on his blue underwear and Tammy and I painted him blue with little scales. And Rob was fantastic. One of the best people I've ever worked with. And I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. You got to love a guy that just is like goes for broke. Like, let's do mm-hmm. it. Who cares? Uh, just paint me blue. Yeah. I'm like a squirt goo out of my head. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and Rob actually has his own special guest star that he found. Yes. <laughs> So in this episode, uh, we said that we would find people kind of hidden under makeup. I guess he's not so much hidden under makeup because his name does come up in the credits at the end. But the karaoke host that you see at the beginning, the like squid headed guy, mm-hmm. is named Canute, and he's played by Ralph Garman. For people that don't know who Ralph Garman is, or you might if you're a podcast listener like this, he is a co-host of Hollywood Babylon with Kevin Smith. Uh, he's also a staple of McFarlane's projects. He does voices on Family Guy, American Dad, and The Cleveland Show. And he's also been in Ted, Ted 2, and A Million Ways to Die in the West. So all of those things. I really like that Seth McFarlane brings in people from, like, I think it's cool that he includes people from his other projects in the show. Yeah, he's got a loyalty. I appreciate Mm -hmm. that. I, I like that, too. All right. Getting into the episode, we begin in the mess hall with Commander Grayson on the mic singing journey, like you said. Mm -hmm. After a round of applause, Bordis is the next to take the stage. Before he can sing, though, a call from the bridge interrupts, informing Captain Mercer that Admiral Halsey is on the line. I just love Bordis so much. (laughs) Everyone's like getting ready to cheer for him, and he's just like, you will be silent. And I just, I think I was really sad that they, that we didn't get a chance to hear Bordis actually sing. But it's such a good mm-hmm. bit it worked so well and i just thought it was cool like this crew is congregating for a karaoke night and i yeah. thought that was kind of a neat thing and then i don't know the bordis whole the whole thing with bordis just made me happy because i i just i love him i love bordis and that like rewatching season one this has just solidified that for me yeah bordis karaoke is one of my favorite bits in the entire mm-hmm. series it's so good all right coming up next we have lieutenant commander bordis where is bordis i am bordis whoa 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. you actually sing well get on up here big guy let's show everybody what you can do 
Lieutenant Beloy taught me this song. I will now sing it. Oh! You will be silent! In the briefing room, Halsey informs Mercer and Grayson of a situation regarding the planet Lapovius. Two species that loathe one another, the Navarians and the Bruidians, both claim to have colonized the planet first and are ready to go to war over it. However, they've agreed to allow the Union to settle the matter by having a forensic archaeologist analyze an ancient artifact for residual DNA. Depending on which species' DNA exists within the artifact, that species would have rightful control of the planet. A lot of exposition up front, but I'm fine with it because we're all set up and ready to go. Mm-hmm. It was an, it was a really good way to present all the information mm-hmm. and not have it be confusing. I thought it was interesting that the two species are going to either we're going to try for peace talks still during the investigation, but to have them on the same ship. Yeah, it just it was interesting to me. I was like, that's that's a different way to do this. And. I mean, clearly how the episode went, it made things a lot more interesting. Mm. I mean, we've seen stuff like that on other shows before, and they were smart. Alara was smart about putting them in uh, different sides of the ship and on different decks, kind of keep them away from each other. And mm-hmm. it's like two teams of three ambassadors, so it's nothing crazy, crazy. It's not like the war is going to break out on the Orville itself or anything. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was actually interesting, and I made a note about it, that they showed and explained how they were setting up the accommodations for it, mm. how they're, we're going to put them on separate sides of the ship. And I like that because it brings, an, again, another like realness to the show. And I appreciated that they included that detail. It answers any potential headcanon question we have to <laughs> pose later when they're like, wait, how did they keep them on the ship at the same time? And then we'd mm-hmm. have to write it. But it didn't take long for them to take care of that. And that's always no. appreciated. And you and I will find things to make headcanon about. You and I will do that. Oh, no doubt. (laughs) At Lapovius, the Orville rendezvous with the Olympia, which transports both the archaeologist and the artifact aboard. Alara is stunned when she sees the name of the archaeologist and rushes to the shuttle bay. Question. It's probably the same one I have. (laughs) Commander Grayson and, and Captain Mercer literally just left, and she had to run all the way to... Oh, yeah. Like she literally had to run the ship, even though they had like maybe, maybe like a 20 second head start on her. Mm-hmm. That's all. That was not w- the question I had, but okay. <laughs> in, in similar, but a fair question. Uh, mine was what about the shipwide communication system? Oh, that also. <laughs> how about, you know, just saying, hey, Commander Grayson, you might want to. Yeah, I. <laughs> I know it's less exciting, yeah. but, but still, yeah. there, maybe she didn't want to broadcast it, but I guess there was probably private comm lines. I'm assuming that there's yeah. there's a lot of things. Maybe the drama of it wouldn't have been the same. Yeah, it's it's story wise. It's not as exciting, mm-hmm. but there are so many reasons that this is unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah, just the fact that maybe it, it does add to the drama of it. She doesn't get there in time. Right. So it gives her a chance to gossip with the guy in shuttle bay. So, <laughs> right. Which is awful. <laughs> Arriving in the shuttle bay to welcome their new passenger, Ed and Kelly are just as surprised to see that the archaeologist is Derulio, the man who Grayson cheated on Ed with. I love the name Derulio. <laughs> it's, it's a good name. It just seems like the perfect name for the situation that they're in mm-hmm. derulio i will say like he comes out and he's just willing to be like we're here to mm-hmm. professionally handle this can we just be 
adults about it. And I was like, that's pretty cool. I mean, Ed is obviously fuming and Kelly's probably just super uncomfortable, but. And you can be mad at him and everything, but with the knowledge we have at the moment, it's mm-hmm. not his fault. I mean, we might change our opinion. <laughs> Question, though, wouldn't Admiral Halsey know that, like, obviously know about this situation hmm. because Kelly set up things with Admiral Halsey? He might know the situation, but not the perpetrator. That's true. I, I will say that how many forensic archaeologists are there? Right. In the universe, and I'm. it takes time to get places, so you kind of have to make do with what you have, but what are the chances? He even said, he just uh, learned about it too, if he had known prior, he would have recused himself. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he actually would have, or if he's just saying that, but... I have a lot of thoughts about Derulio. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> so... we'll get to all of them. <laughs> okay. Following awkward introductions, the trio agrees that dealing with the current crisis is more important than their own tainted history, and they shake hands before parting. Alara escorts Derulio to his quarters, and on the way, he steps literally into Yafit. After apologizing, Derulio returns a chunk of Yafit that was stuck to his leg. Okay, Yafit's obviously low to the ground, but how could you not hear someone dragging an acoustic guitar in, (laughs) carrying a bright bunch of flowers? That part I didn't think about, but you are right, yes. So, and luckily he didn't step on the acoustic guitar. He just stepped into Yafet. I mean, again, Alara was asking an intrusive question Mm -hmm. about the relationship and pretending she didn't know what was going on with Ed and Kelly. And I thought that was kind of weird. Yeah. Like, why not just own it? Yeah. Or like, like a loyalty to Kelly or loyalty to Ed or, you know, it was like fishing. And I, I didn't understand as a security officer why she would be fishing. Because obviously, Derulio doesn't know that she knows about the relationship or what happened. So he's like, yeah, I know them in a way. So maybe he was so distracted by that question. That's why he stepped in Yafet. Maybe. He is a bright yellow boogery looking dude. So I don't know (laughs) how you missed him. In sickbay, Yafet attempts to woo Claire one more time by giving her flowers and singing her a song. Clearly annoyed, Claire turns him away. This is like how I feel like she should have reacted when Yafit was more aggressive. Mm -hmm. She was very patient with him. Yeah, like when he was actually sexually harassing her. Mm -hmm. And now he's just like, I'm bringing you flowers and singing you a song. Apparently he's been doing it enough, though, that it's enough is enough. She said for months. That's crazy. But she seemed so much more lenient when he was actually being directly inappropriate with her versus now when he's just like, I want to take you out on a date. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's just she's dealt with it for so long that she just mm-hmm. can't deal with it anymore. The thing that was weirdest to me is that like by the music cue and everything, it almost seemed like the show wanted us to feel bad for Yafit. And I just didn't. Yeah, Yafit really. <sighs> he's slimy in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like he's got a character where I think in the past episodes he has been inappropriate. And I think that it's not. Uh, yeah, I was rooting for Claire there. I was like, yeah, you stick up for yourself. Yeah, he shouldn't course. be doing this while you're at work. He shouldn't be, you know, it's in pro- it, in professional. It's unprofessional. He shouldn't. There's a lot of things that happened in this episode that were unprofessional. <laughs> oh, a whole bunch. <laughs> Kelly goes to the science lab to check in on Derulio and explain the situation in a professional way, but suddenly begins flirting heavily. <sighs> what I don't get is that 
Why did he touch her? Like, why did he touch her hair? Yeah. So <laughs> we learn later on that it's the handshake that was actually the catalyst. Mm-hmm. So I thought maybe this was it because this is what she reacts to. Yeah. It seems very much to me that at this point, he very much knows what he's doing. Yeah. That's the vibe I got like later in the episode as we learn more about what's going on. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. Why did Ed not immediately switch? Because that was a direct handshake. More contact than a piece of hair being moved from her face. He shook both their hands. Okay, so maybe there is like an incubation period of some kind. Probably, and I guess the only way we could headcanon this is to say it's different for every individual because Claire would be on roughly the same schedule and she doesn't trigger till a little later. So... It must be an individual thing. It might, yeah, it might be that. And then the thing too is maybe another headcanon thing is if Derulio does something that's perceived as romantic or nice as a gesture, it's easier to like let those feelings maybe evolve. Mm. So like it did seem odd to me though that he there was no reason for him to move her hair. No, he was he was flirting too. Uh huh. Oh, it's just just so unprofessional. As as we know, <laughs> he is in heat. So, yeah, but that. OK, so here's something I'm not that saying I, it's tolerable or professional or anything like that. I'm just saying there's there's a biological reason he is like getting super flirty. Wouldn't that be something the union should be aware of? And wouldn't that be something that would need to be regulated? Because it is problematic. Like this was peace talks with two alien races mm-hmm. and they were unavailable because of how they were feeling. Yep. Meaning Kelly and Ed. And Dr. Finn, the medical doctor aboard, was fully distracted because of her feelings with things. I just think it's interesting that Derulio is either hiding it from the union and they don't know about it. They don't know much about his alien race. Mm -hmm. I just there was a there's a lot of problems with this. I think he is not necessarily hiding it, but feels no need to tell anyone because the whole time he's like, this is just the way my species is. It's no big deal. Like, why are you guys overreacting about this? He thinks nothing of it. But when you see how it affects the, like humans or I don't know any race, it is a problem, especially like like you see how these peace talks quickly dissolve into high school romance. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree or, with you. Yeah. I think it is something that larger parties should be aware of. And mm-hmm. it's on Derulio to not have told them but from his perspective nobody needs to know because it's not a big deal he doesn't think it is so yes he should have informed the union he didn't yeah culturally i understand but i i do feel like there's like some sort of responsibility when you're like in a different environment Mm -hmm. i agree well there always has to be a first offense this is Mm -hmm. probably the first offense that now makes it a known thing yeah there's just there's a lot throughout the episode that I was just kind of like, really? Yeah. Yeah. Like, because it, it isn't just like, oh, they're going to sleep together. It's it affects how they perform on their duties. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Isaac informs Mercer that the ambassadors are arriving, but Grayson isn't in the shuttle bay to receive them. He reports that she's in her quarters. So Ed heads there to see what's going on. After not responding to the door, he enters and hears Kelly upstairs. Mirroring the scene from the pilot, Ed goes upstairs and finds Kelly in bed with Derulio. (laughs) 
Also, I mean, I understand Ed went into the room because Kelly didn't answer. Mm-hmm. Do you think there should be like some sort of scanner to just make sure the person is alive inside? I mean, granted, one would think that they could detect that from the scanner. Yeah, maybe even from the bridge. I was like, why is there no attempt to contact her from the bridge? Mm-hmm. Like Ed just went right there instead of being like, hey, what are, what are you doing? And then he heard her giggling upstairs. Wouldn't you call up the stairs first? He did. Before... He did say Kelly. Oh, he did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I just, I thought that was really interesting. I will say, though, seeing more of the bedroom was cool because that's stuff that I really love. <laughs> I was going to say, we had talked before about how Ed had the special quarters. It looks like Kelly mm-hmm. has almost identical ones. Yeah. So she's got a pretty sweet setup, too. And I, I, I was, like, really interested to see, like, oh, there's the bedroom upstairs versus adjacent to the living room so i thought it was neat to see the inside even though the situation was not the best for ed yeah but i i i thought that was interesting that like one ring no one answers equals i go inside now yeah and investigate well that seems to be a constant that we've seen yeah. a lot of stuff <laughs> it really has <laughs> as they argue their way to the shuttle bay they enter and find the ambassadors also mid-argument Ed manages to talk them down and gets both parties to agree to a meeting in the morning to negotiate a potential peace. Uh, you mentioned the Navarians and the trivia and their Batleth-like mm-hmm. bone structure. I really like the kind of look of them as a species as a whole because it's very different than a lot of stuff we've seen. I love seeing these alien species and they're more a part of this episode. So we get to see a lot of different variations of them. I thought the coloring was really cool on the Navarians. Yeah. And um, oh, what was the name of the other species? The Bruidians. The Bruidians. They reminded me of like a World of Warcraft looking kind of dude. Yeah. Like if they had the little tusks coming out, mm-hmm. like it kind of gave me those vibes. But I I really enjoyed seeing a glimpse into other races. I just I love that part of the show. I love I love special effects makeup and I just like seeing that in action. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Alara and Kelly have a conversation about Derulio, and Alara notices that she's acting a bit off, especially when Kelly proclaims that Derulio is her soulmate. How are are Kelly and Alara girlfriends? I don't know if they're like super good friends. I feel like they are out of loneliness. I feel like during the scene, even Alara's weirdly fishing for information mm-hmm. on Ed. That's inappropriate. Mm. Like, I guess, like, there is, it's hard when you're on a ship and it's your job and then having relationships beyond that. Mm -hmm. But it's just, it was weird that Alara was asking some questions of Kelly that were, like, related to, like, the sex life. Yeah. Like, I thought that was super weird. But I don't know. Maybe it is just when you're in that environment. Yes, I'm the security officer, but I'm also, I'm a human who wants to know about things, too. It was just, and I mean, Kelly was really giving information out so i can only assume they were off duty at this point mm-hmm. i think so it's just hard to tell sometimes when like i think alara was in her uniform they both and i think were. kelly was yeah so it is sometimes tough to tell like yeah is this a there's just a lot of like i said there's just a lot of unprofessionalism happening in this episode <laughs> ed vents his frustrations to gordon and decides to fire derulio he storms into the science lab to do so but Derulio convinces him to look at the progress on his work. After doing so, Ed decides that not only can he tolerate Derulio for another 36 hours, but asks him to get a drink later. Noticeably flustered and awkward, Ed leaves. I mean, this all affects Ed in a very uncontrollable way. Yeah. 
I thought it was really interesting. I think it. I really enjoyed like Ed being so flustered because I think Seth MacFarlane did a really good job playing like the oh I have a crush on you and I'm really awkward about this. And yeah, yeah. I enjoyed that aspect of it, but again, it brings me back to like Derulio knows what he's doing. I think so. So here's the thing that was weird with me <sighs> with this scene is until they said that it was the handshakes later on that kind of activated everything. I attributed it to two other parts because they happen instantaneously. One being what you said, the hairbrushing out of the way. I figured he touched Kelly there because that's when she turns. And here I thought it was when Ed used the microscope and maybe his eyes made contact because Derulio was just using it. And that's how he got it. That's what I did, too. I also did that when we were we were watching it. I was like, oh, clearly it's because he touched Kelly mm-hmm. her ha- or moved the hair out of her way. And then I thought the same thing I was like, oh, it's because he's looking through the same microscope that Derulio is. Yeah. So when they brought up the handshakes later, I was like, wait. And I guess it does make sense that there's the pheromone takes time mm-hmm. to maybe work. But things happened that kind of insinuated that. Yeah. You, so it almost seemed like really was manipulating it, Maybe. too. The, which, ugh, uh, <laughs> icky. <laughs> Out of nowhere, Claire shows up at Yafet's quarters in a dress and asks to come in. After getting a quick tour, she asks Yafet to kiss her and then asks where they go from there. <laughs> this whole thing was just uncomfortable for me. Yeah, it's super <laughs> uncomfortable. I can't imagine what it must have been like to film mm-hmm. the kiss because he's not there. Yeah. I thought that also, like, they're probably dangling like a tennis ball. <laughs> Be like, pretend to kiss this. But I will say, re- regardless of that, it was cool to see Yafet's room because I'm really into seeing people's rooms. But he has like a little ba- like a little basin that he goes in and he sleeps in at yeah. night. And I thought that was neat to address, too. Like, they're not all the same. They make accommodations for the different species like they kind of did when the the aliens um, arrived in the beginning of the episode like we have salt water for mm-hmm. you to to bathe in we have your special food in the synthesizers but yeah it was weird seeing claire in that way because not that she can't be like a sexy lady or whatever but just that you know she was so aggressively turning down yafit and now she's yeah. showing up in a slinky dress and they're gonna do it <laughs> <laughs> uh yafit's bed reminded me of a character from deep space nine who you probably mm-hmm. don't know. Uh, nope. the, the security officer on DS9 <laughs> is named Odo, and he's a changeling. So mm-hmm. he, at a natural state, is like a liquidy type creature too. But he holds a humanoid form all the time, and it is tiring for him to do it. So he sleeps in a bucket. Oh. So he can just like relax. Makes me want to add Deep Space Nine <laughs> to the top of the list, because that sounds really interesting. Yeah, it's cool. Gordon arrives at Ed's quarters for a strange conversation. Gordon is surprised that not only has Ed forgiven Derulio, but the two are meeting up for drinks and Ed seems very into him. First of all, the shirt he tried on was awful. It was awful. Oh, it was so bad. Um, But it was it was really I mean, it continued Ed being super flustered. Gordon's just like, why well, are you like interested in him? And Gordon wasn't like accusatory at all. He was just like, I'm trying to understand like. Mm-hmm. Are you like into Derulio now? And he's like labels. Why do you have to label everything? And, you know, I I enjoyed Seth MacFarlane's performance in the way that he played Ed being so in love, but trying to play it off all cool. It's like a middle schooler. Oh, God, he did such a good job capturing that. And it 
it's just in- insane to me that his pheromones can evoke this kind of reaction where it pretty much renders the person useless. Pretty much. They it's just a, become the obsessed. Obsession. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I yeah. In the next scene, when they do meet up, the oh, God, the Navarians show up and they're like, they haven't been responding. Was it the Navarians? Mm-hmm. Like they haven't been responding to our requests and i was like this is crazy this is supposed to be peace talks and it like stressed me out because i'm like they're acting like like nothing else matters yeah and i was like how could derulio who shows up on the ship saying this is our first important task to make sure we figure this out and he's just allowing this to go on Mm -hmm. and derulio is completely negating his duties as well Mm-hmm. So he's supposed to be working on all this stuff. And yes, he says at one point, it's rude for my species to ignore sex. But at the same time, it doesn't matter what's rude Mm-mm. if your job right now is to prevent a war. <laughs> yeah, right. You're supposed to figure out what the DNA is and also attempt to make peace between these two species. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I can excuse away Ed and Kelly a little bit because Derulio is aware of what's happening yeah. and he's not it's his fault it is his fault and he he's not taking precautions like he knew when he shook their hands that his pheromones were going to get on mm-hmm. it, on them and i just it makes me feel like derulio maybe it is what his species just does but it doesn't make it okay agreed in the mess hall, Alara is talking to John about Kelly's strange behavior when a Navarian ambassador approaches her looking for answers, since Mercer and Grayson don't seem to be responding to inquiries. Ed arrives and dodges the ambassador and heads over to Derulio's table, only to find Kelly there as well. When Derulio goes to get drinks, Kelly calls Ed out on his attempt to get Derulio. It's just weird because Derulio knows what's going on mm-hmm. and they're... Clearly, they're fighting over a guy. Like, it's just like... It's super awkward and weird. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It just, it makes me sad in a lot of ways because when you look at the bigger picture of what's going on in the show, like, it's two races that are going to fight each other and try to kill, like, this is our planet. We will murder you all to get it. Mm-hmm. And instead of the focus being on that, it's on Derulio hooking up with the captain and Kelly and just kind of getting its his rocks off and just not like yeah i don't there's just a, i have a lot of moral issues <laughs> just because it's not like you know it's not just like a cutesy rom-com it's like there's big stakes here mm-hmm. and you are allowing this to happen meanwhile a Bruidian ambassador contacts bordis on the bridge demanding to speak to mercer when he inquires as to the whereabouts of ed and kelly alara and gordon point out that they've both been acting weird and obsessed i liked the uh joke here where Isaac is like, what do you mean into him? Is he going to physically enter Derulio? <laughs> oh just gosh. like, uh, not yet. <laughs> yeah, it it's honestly, I, I, I enjoy Isaac because his, I, it, it just, the fact that Bordas was captain at this time was honestly a blessing. Isaac looking at things from a subjective point of view is really intriguing. I think it's kind of cool to see it from, an outside perspective, someone who does someone of a robot who doesn't understand what humans are. Mm-hmm. And then when you try to explain stuff, it really puts into perspective how crazy it sounds mm-hmm. and how us as humans, what we focus on and things is kind of sad. <laughs> but I mean, I, I do think it's interesting that Alara is kind of playing detective mm-hmm. a little bit. 
You would think Gordon would be like, yeah, Ed's he's known Ed for how long? Wouldn't this have been like alarmingly different behavior? Mm-hmm. And I mean, Alara and Kelly just kind of met. So it just it's interesting to me that I feel like Gordon didn't raise the flag. I would have probably done that right away if it was my best friend. I'd be like, wait a minute, you're you're kind of being a weirdo right now and it's not like you to be this obsessed with somebody i feel but. like neither of them watched enough sci-fi stuff growing up and they mm-hmm. don't know the signs of people acting completely weird <laughs> there's something afoot yeah. yeah there's definitely it was it, it i mean and both of them kind of alluded to like you should be happy for me which in some ways is a manipulative thing mm. <laughs> so it's mm, i just feel like derulio's the common denominator in in all of it Mm. Marcus and Ty then arrive on the bridge to complain that their mother's been locked in her office for hours and won't answer. Alara goes to investigate and finds Claire and Yafit in an uncomfortable position. Again, ringing the doorbell once and then just overriding the door and going inside. I get it. Maybe they're dead on the inside, but there should be some sort of scan that they can do to Mm -hmm. be like their life signs are fine. They would have seen wouldn't they if they did a scan, wouldn't they have seen that Yafit was in there, too? One would think. And then when they scanned Kelly's room, wouldn't they have noticed that there's another life sign in her room also? Mm-hmm. I don't think they scanned either of the rooms. I think they didn't bother. <laughs> it's just, yeah, seeing that, that was also another thing that was probably super awkward to film. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also wondered why they're in the medical lab office. Why not just be in Yafit's quarters? Because it's exciting, Rob. Right. I, know, that is, I mean, that's the reason. They were in Yafit's quarters, which means they mm-hmm. actually left there to go to the medical lab. <laughs> because if they're in Yafit's quarters, they could be like, oh, she's in Yafit's quarters. Mm-hmm. But if if she's in the med lab, it's a mysterious thing that she's not answering. The fact also is that her kids were trying to get in touch with her yeah. and they wouldn't she wouldn't leave her office. So it's not only at this point affecting people in a silly like I'm in love kind of way. It's affecting her ability to be a good parent to her young children Mm -hmm. and that really when you really break it down it's not necessarily funny it just makes it really awful (laughs) (laughs) in the science lab kelly and ed are still fighting over derulio when alara comes in to tell them the delegates are at a boiling point and she needs to speak with derulio so they leave and she has a word with him Uh, alara confronts derulio about the weird way that they're both acting he confesses that once a year, his species goes into heat and produces a pheromone that's transferred through touch in order to attract a mate. The handshake in the shuttle bay earlier must have passed the pheromone to Ed and Kelly. Yafit also served as a carrier and transferred it to Claire. So at first I wondered why Yafit wasn't really affected, even though he was already mm-hmm. into Claire. He didn't get obsessive like that. Uh, and I guess you can kind of headcanon that. And they kind of said it a little bit that his gelatinous membrane served as a carrier. He didn't actually like incorporate it into himself. He was just like a mm-hmm. vessel for it. I the other thing, too, is wouldn't Derulio have touched so many things on the ship? So apparently it's only through his physical touch. But if he's touching comm panels mm-hmm. and the equipment and I had questions about that. One of my biggest issues with this episode is that it wasn't widespread chaos. And it, I mean, my thought is if there's a pheromone, if you touch a comp panel and say like someone else, well, that, yeah, so I, I, I had a lot of questions with how it transferred and he's living on the ship. Mm-hmm. He's obviously interacting with more than just these people. And if he didn't care if he just touched Ed and Kelly, was he careful then? Like he only touched Ed and Kelly? Maybe. 
And so, <laughs> and then he just like, you know, like it makes you really think about. It gets worse. <laughs> It gets worse. <laughs> like, were they his targeted victims? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just have a lot of I have a lot of unanswered questions about how it it is transferred, like touch. But I feel like he'd been on the ship for a few days at that point. Mm-hmm. There's got to be accidental run-ins, accidental like. Like I understand they wanted to focus on these two kind of instances and two stories, but yeah, even if you have like just background chaos, you don't have to necessarily focus on the characters. I think mm-hmm. it would have done a better job of like triggering his, oh crap, this is what's happening than what actually happens later. Yeah. I think there was, maybe that's why they kind of went the route of Claire and Yafet. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting that Yafet's species is not affected directly by the pheromone. Yeah. Mercer and Grayson meet with the ambassadors who are growing impatient, waiting for the results. Ed interrupts to tell them about Drulio, which angers them more. He then abruptly leaves for his date. I hated everything about that just because like Kelly seemed a little bit more with it, Mm -hmm. at least in that scene. I think because she felt defeated that Ed was like winning. That is true. It is crazy, though, that he was still even in that scenario and he was that blinded by it that he couldn't. These people, these people, these races were just like, we're done. We're going to kill each other. We're done waiting. We don't get answers. And he's like, I got to go to my date. It's that strong. I remember Alara told Derulio, wasn't he supposed to go to his quarters and not leave? He was, oh, he was going to sickbay, which is what they, the next scene, actually, they take him to sickbay because she, she escorts him right from uh, the science lab to sickbay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I look at how Ed is reacting in this situation and how there's no clarity whatsoever. Yeah, there really isn't. Oh, it's awful. When you really think about the things that are at stake here, it's awful. Isaac reports to the bridge from sickbay, saying that they've analyzed Rulio's pheromone, but there doesn't seem to be an antidote. Outside the ship, Navarian and Bruidian fleets have converged. Is this when it's like battle time? This is when they both, yeah, the two fleets, they haven't actually started firing on each other yet, yeah. but they're, yeah, just getting there. It's interesting that there is no antidote for this, which is another thing. Clearly, it it maybe this has never been an issue in the past, but Derulio knows, like, hey, he wasn't being forthright with the information. Mm-hmm. So when Alara confronted him, he's like, okay, let me, fine, I'll tell you. It almost seems like he was hiding it. Mm-hmm. But he does say many times, even while talking to Alara, he's just like, I don't know why everyone's making such a big deal about this. Like, he just doesn't get it. So it's not completely insidious, but... Yeah, but when he's, you know, with Ed, and he's looking out the window, he's like, there's a war about to happen. As if he suddenly just realizes it. And I'm just like, have you not been... Like, and again, maybe this is just what he's used to, but I just feel like when you are, like, in the union, and you are probably working in it for at least a year at that point, Mm -hmm. you would learn a little bit more about the customs and what's appropriate and not appropriate. One would think. Yeah. Although I don't think he's technically a union archaeologist. He's never in uniform or anything. I think he's like a freelancer. Oh, that is true. Okay, maybe, well, then maybe that explains it. He just kind of goes, yeah, I'm just like, what's available? And this is just whatever happens, happens. Yeah. And free free thinking. But I, it's kind of obvious that it's affecting them more than just googly eyes and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's It's affecting, there's two different sides approaching in their ships to fight each other. A little bit of a big deal. Yeah. Bordas tries contacting Mercer and Grayson, but Ed's in his quarters with Derulio, and Kelly is crying in hers. 
Surprisingly, Duilio seems concerned over Ed's lack of caring about the potential of a war starting. This is this is where he realizes. Yeah, this is the moment that he goes, obviously, I uh, need to care now. Yeah. I just I, I can't wrap my head around it that that was his like moment. On the bridge, Isaac comes up with a way to buy them some time by extending their deflectors as a blockade. But Chief Engineer Newton needs Yafit's help to reconfigure them. Julio then arrives and says he might be able to help. Because I remember here, didn't Alara say, like, you're not, you're supposed to be in your room. I, I don't think Alara was there, but Bordis, Bordis gets up and he just goes, Derulio. Like, <laughs> I, I just thought it was interesting that, he, that Derulio, in a way, became the savior of it. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, I came up with the plan. Oh, yes. And yeah. Oh, yes. Which is. Mm-hmm. As Yaffa is heading to engineering, Claire approaches him with a blaster in hand, furious that he hasn't responded to her messages. Meanwhile, the fleets have opened fire on each other, and all-out war is breaking out. A literal war. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's Star Wars-esque battling yeah. happening outside. Quite good ship battle, by the way. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cool. You could see on the bridge, there's that window on the top. Mm-hmm. Love that they panned up, and you could see out the top and super cool ships yeah that was a full-on space battle that was not just a hey we're gonna fire on each other like civil war style it was like a literal space battle alara arrives on the bridge with derulio nurse park and the ambassadors hand in hand the ambassadors order the fleets to stand down before they kiss and obviously at this point i was like oh derulio used his pheromones to make them fall in love but I then then before I got the answer, my brain was like, wait, did, does he have power to control who falls in love? And how, did he just touch each of them and then they touched each other? Like I did this whole thing where my brain was like trying to understand. Yeah. And I, I thought it was interesting. I mean, at that point, it was dire times. They needed dire measure, measures. It just I don't view Derulio as the hero here. No, not at all. And that's all I'll say. Uh, <laughs> side note. I was paying attention to like the the time in the episode and everything mm-hmm. from the time that the war starts to this solution is five minutes of the episode. Like this is this yeah. is the only time where like, yes, the ambassadors are pissed off through a lot of it. The only time it actually gets tense are for these five minutes. That is true. They're, even though it alludes to it throughout, like the they're upset. The Navarians and the Bridians are just like, no, this is we're not getting answers. But the focus was on the rela- relationship dynamic mm-hmm. of R- Derulio and Kelly and Ed. And I, I feel like they address later, like it's not a permanent solution. And then once, mm. you know, the the pheromone does wear off. That was something that I was like, how does this work? Yeah, They said like after a few days. Yeah. So in my head, like, I just felt like a lot of this kind of at the end was very fast. It was. To, like, res- to resolution. And then I was like, I was making notes, and then all of a sudden the episode was over. Mm-hmm. So I feel that, too. I feel like it was a very, not, I don't know, maybe rushed ending, but it did feel a little bit like there was a lot that I had questions on that did get answered, but also kind of didn't. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in sickbay, Ed and Claire appear to be back to normal. He praises Nurse Park for a job well done. He then heads to Kelly's office to apologize the two start to discuss what will happen when the pheromone wears off and the ambassadors hate each other again. Just then, Derulio arrives to inform them of his analysis. The artifact contains traces of both species, meaning they share a common ancestor and will have to share the planet. 
Now he comes in as like, they're like, what's going to happen when it wears off? He's like, don't worry about it. They have to share because it proves that they should share it. I'm like, how Mm -hmm. is that the solution? That's not Mm -hmm. a solution. They said they would abide by like if one person was found, they were relying on one person staying like one species staying and one species leaving. The fact that they both share it means continued conflict. That's not a solution. Maybe the way that I had canon this is because Derulio said at one point that, you know, when they're actually having these feelings, like it's not like a manufactured Mm -hmm. thing with the pheromones. So maybe that these two leaders are having those intense feelings now, but maybe as it wears off, it will continue in a more organic way. I don't know, because I don't think Ed likes Derulio too much at the end. That is true. So I, I do wonder, they were supposed to have these peace talks to hopefully create a bridge so that when this information was delivered to them, there was some sort of path that these two groups can walk alongside. But that was, it wasn't resolved. Yeah, I don't think they really fixed the issue at all. No, because then they might go, well, which one, like, who has more of the, it, which, does the ancestor have 60% of Navarians in it and so then the like there's just a whole other thing that can happen from it and yeah it, it wasn't a solution it could have been but there we didn't get enough information as the audience to really know that stuff was resolved because yeah. I feel like on Star Trek do you remember like I always remember like Captain Picard in the next generation like they were having the discussion with it would have been more re- re- resolution to me if they were in a meeting with the Navarians and mm-hmm. the in the I wanted to say the Bavarians, Bruidians, <laughs> the Bruidians, and they they had that meeting together, mm-hmm. and all of them were there. I think that would have been more effective. Agreed for my head cannon to be like them look at each other and go what? But since they used them falling in love, I think it kind of put a kink in resolving it in that manner. And then the news was just delivered by Drulio, as in yeah. like yeah, they'll totally accept it. In my head cannon, they deliver the news, the Orville leaves, and then the war starts. <laughs> Like, Mm -hmm. that's what happens. Yeah. And I I do think in some aspects, the show does leave a lot for us as the audience to make our own story. Mm -hmm. But when you fly away and it's a mess behind, it makes you wonder, like, did they do their job? But I think I think the story that they wanted to focus on was, I mean, the big line of were you in heat? Yeah, so before Drulio leaves, Kelly asks him if a year ago when they met, he was in heat then, to which he replies, maybe. How would he not know if he was in heat or not? He does. He does know. But I I think there's a few ways you can interpret this. You could say that he's just continuing the manipulation and he's saying maybe because he doesn't want Kelly to know the truth or maybe he was not in heat. And he says maybe as like, a, hey, I really messed up here. Maybe I can help you guys repair your relationship by saying maybe instead of no. From my perspective, if I was Kelly, I would want a yes or a no. I would too, but she didn't get yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I just felt like I have a complicated feelings towards Derulio. Mm-hmm. And that maybe could potentially bridge a gap between Kelly and Ed. But I also think that it keeps that. Like the bridge is unsafe to walk on because he said maybe mm-hmm. too. But I think the whole episode was leading up to that. Yeah. I think this was a character development episode for Ed and Kelly. That was the point of the episode was this yeah. one moment at the end. So those alien races still might be warring, mm-hmm. but, but it's all about this. <laughs> it's all about this. 
What's your big takeaway from this episode? So, okay. I will, I will say this is not one of my more favorite episodes. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed lots of aspects of it. I had some of my favorite things with Bordis in this episode. I love Dan. I freaking love Dan. And this is, I know, I think you're not a huge fan of Dan. I don't love Dan. I know most <sighs> Orville fans really love Dan. I think the reason that I don't is because he's so ineffectual. Like, he's just there. And people him. with that kind of attitude annoy me for whatever reason. I don't know why. He's happy. Okay. Dan's a happy dude. And I just, he does, he can't read situations. I think it was an interesting way to break the tension between mm-hmm. Ed and Kelly. And it does make you go like, oh, I want them to finish their conversation. But it's a, in my way, an effective way to kind of lighten it, but also introduce a character that I absolutely love. And so I love whenever Dan's around and I think this is the first episode he's truly yeah like a part of. I I think Derulio knows or knew about what he was doing. He knew he was in heat, obviously. He touched Ed and Kelly, knowing that he had the pheromones. I don't know how he it bothered me that he wasn't honest with Kelly at the end because he she at least deserved that. Mm-hmm. I feel like the union needs to know about Trulio's situation and I feel like they do now. That needs to be addressed in the future. It, the episode was slightly frustrating for me because I I sit there and I'm like this is such a huge thing. There's got to be peace talks. There's a war brewing and I, I see Trulio actively manipulating these two people who are in charge of the ship and he knowingly shook their hands and so at the end of the episode it's like this rush of information coming Mm -hmm. at you and he seems like a predator to me in some ways like he comes across as not a good person yeah maybe in his his society it's okay but he needs to realize he's not in his society the fact that it affected their leadership so incredibly it makes it icky for me (laughs) (laughs) it leaves you with a really icky feeling I got a real icky feeling about it. So that that was my takeaway from it. It, it. it all wrapped up so quickly. My brain was kind of spinning and I was like, ew, Derulio. Yeah. And I don't think that it was an effect. It wasn't a, an effectual effectual. Sure. Is that a word? Sure. The ending when, you know, by Derulio utilizing his pheromones to make them fall in love mm-hmm. for it's a Band-Aid. And I, I didn't. I was like, Derulio, you can't put Band-Aids on this. And you can't just all of a sudden you show up and say this is an important thing we got to figure out so that there's no more war. And then you do all of this. Mm -hmm. So that my takeaway was just that. I mean, how could Kelly get involved with someone like that a year ago and screw all that up with Ed? And then he's back and he is manipulating the situation, in my opinion. He knew better. Which leans toward the theory that maybe he actually was in heat. Mm hmm. When he met Kelly before, and this is just what he does. Because if he wasn't he, why wouldn't he just say that? Because that would have been an immediate thing for Ed and Kelly to just kind of go, "Oh my God, then I didn't do that to you. It was this insane pheromone." Yeah. And then if he said no, it would have also been a resolution in a way to be like, "Now we can." That would have been more of a healing thing for mm-hmm. them versus a maybe. I just feel like Derulio's just kind of a dirtbag. Like he should have said yes regardless. <laughs> Mm-hmm. If he really wanted to do them a favor. Yeah. So that was, there's just, Derulio is that sly guy who you meet at a bar or whatever, that whole stereotypical yep. slimy dude. 
except he's kind of nice and he, you know, doesn't think he's doing. He says he doesn't seem like he he isn't doing anything wrong, but it feels like he's doing something wrong. Absolutely. So what was your takeaway, Rob? Okay, so last episode, I we were talking about Into the Fold. And Mm -hmm. I said that it was possibly my least favorite episode after command performance. Mm -hmm. That remains true. However, really, however, command performance is no longer my least favorite episode of this season. (laughs) This is I do not like this episode. Yeah, I really don't. I didn't think I would. I didn't think there would be one that I liked less than command performance. It's this one. I don't like this one. This one's interesting because I remember this one the most from the first season. Mm, interesting. And now that I've rewatched it, I don't know if the reason I remember it the most is because of what happens in this episode. Yeah. And it's not even what happened. So this episode has two things going for it. One, the singing bit with Bordas that we both love at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I love that whole intro sequence. Great. Me too. Uh, and two, they create the possibility that Kelly cheating on Ed isn't actually her fault. Mm-hmm. So those are the two things that this episode has that are good. Command performance at least has an enjoyable B plot with the Calavon Zoo. So one of the two plots mm-hmm. is fun and I really like it and I thought they were doing something interesting. The A plot here with Derulio is just a lot of bickering and cringy flirting. Yeah. And the premise of the B plot is good with the two species on the brink of war, but the solution is so dumb that it kills any potential that that plot could have had. And it's so fast. Yeah. You think about how much time it took to do the alien species makeup and stuff, and they could have done a lot more with it. And I loved in the next generation when there, the res, there's always like a resolution scene. Mm hmm. And there's always we're in they're in the meeting room and they're talking and sometimes there's a good ending and sometimes there's not so great. But you at least have that satisfying answer Mm -hmm. and you can walk away with. All right. I feel at least, you know, like I didn't have to headcanon this. Yeah. And I, I do like in some ways that the show does give you the ability to kind of manipulate what you think happened. But I think with this episode, there is just a lot of open endedness. Yeah. And. And, and it, I mean, Derulio's an icky dude. Super icky dude. And I think the reason they did the maybe at the end is to, it's more, it's for us to have this conversation like exactly. right now. Yeah. So I get it, but I, I want, I want to know. I hope at some point they revisit Derulio and they get a direct answer. I hope so. Cause I want it. <laughs> I want that direct answer. Uh, aside from that, there's no character growth, there's no interesting sci fi questions to explore. The main conflict never really feels tense because it's sidelined for most of the episode. We get it in like the last five minutes. Uh, All my favorite characters, Bordis, Isaac, Gordon, John, get very little to do. So we don't even get to see them too much. And the whole thing Mm -hmm. just ends on a whimper. Yeah, there's a lot of buildup. I don't like Derulio being the hero. And he really wasn't a hero. I mean, but it was kind of presented that way. He was part of the solution. Yeah, but when when you're the problem, you can't be like applauded as the hero or yeah yeah Yeah, there i don't i don't know i I don't (laughs) like it's it's hard to summarize my feelings for the episode it just didn't do much for me since we're looking at it in a critical view now Mm -hmm. and we're diving deeper than just the surface surface level watching i just feel like it didn't i'm angry i don't have the answer if derulio wasn't he like i now i'm like 
I want to know that and I won't have I don't have that answer. I think part of the problem for you is that the whole episode is really about that one moment at the end and you still don't have an answer to even that. Yeah, and I I get it. Sometimes you need stuff like this in shows because if it was just a yes or a no, it would resolve the entire conflict between Ed and Kelly in some regard. In some regard. But like it, that big point where Ed and Kelly broke up, that's been such a huge part of the show mm-hmm. that if we did get an answer in the first season and Darulia was like, yeah, I was in heat, there'd be no more conflict there. Yeah. In some ways, but they still have that year apart and like a lot of fixing that would need to happen. But then with if he said no, it would have still had that like you did cheat on me. I don't know. I just I think I felt unsatisfied because I felt like we were the whole episode led up to that. And I still didn't get an answer. And so it's just something I have to emotionally deal with on my own. So for now, (laughs) for now, before we get out of here, we have one more thing to do. As always, Katie's husband, Mark, is a big fan of the Orville as well and likes to leave us with his one sentence review. Coming this summer, one handshake, one love, several blue orifices, Derulio. Quantum Drive is a production of The Geek Generation. If you like this show, be sure to check out our other podcasts on The Geek Generation Network at thegeekgeneration.com. If you'd like to support the show and get access to exclusive bonus podcasts along with other perks, you can visit our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com slash support. You can follow Quantum Drive on Twitter at Quantum Drive Pod and me at the Rob Logan. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayKatiePlay and on Twitch at KatiePetersPlays. And Katie is spelled K-A-T-I-E. Please rate the show and write a review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, we may read your review on an upcoming episode. Finally, questions and comments can be sent to quantumdrive at thegeekgeneration.com. We're out of here for now, but we'll see you soon in In the the future. future.